What is up, everyone? Happy late November. If you're tuning in in November, if you're playing catch up, then happy whatever month you're listening to this in. Coming to you this month from the great state of Arkansas. Some people know it as Arkansas. Heard a coach on television say that one time. He referred to us as Arkansas. Thought it was humorous. Nevertheless, we've got a good show for you today. I was talking with Cody the other day, and I just happened to ask Cody. I said, Cody, you got any good ideas for topics of conversation for the month of November? And he said, Heath, I think you ought to talk about persistence since you've been hunting like crazy lately and not killed anything. (laughs) Then persistence might make sense. And so with that, today we're going to dive off into a pretty dang important topic if you're going to be successful in life, business, or in hunting. (laughs) It's the idea and the topic of persistence. Before we get there, I just want to say thank you to those that have been tuning in every month and listening. I've been blown away with the feedback I've been getting from uh, just... I don't want to make that sound bigger than it is. I'm not talking about like thousands of people messaging me every day or every month or nothing like that. But the people that have been messaging me on a regular basis are people with a lot of influence and I just want you guys to know how much we appreciate you listening tuning in uh, we wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you and we want you to know that we have a blast doing it we have a, a blast putting time into this and preparing content seems like here lately we've gotten off a little bit off track to a degree on the entertainment side of things <laughs> That's, that's not intentional. It's just kind of the way it's, it's happened with guests, and we've had a great time doing it. Got a lot of great feedback from, from shows. We were in Texas last month at the home of Kendall Jones, and we had an absolute blast down there. And if you hadn't had a chance to check that podcast out, do so. It would have been episode 12. I believe this is episode 13, and we are one ahead of schedule. We're going to actually finish up in December and we're going to have 14 episodes. And we only guaranteed you 12. So you know what? Get you some of that. Exceeding expectations. If you've listened to the podcast, you know that's something we try to do in every phase of life. Exceed expectations. Over deliver. I believe it's a good principle in life to live by if you want to be successful. And for sure have longevity. Anyway... Things are looking awesome for next year, starting in January. I wish I could go into everything we're looking at doing on the podcast for 2019. That sounds weird even saying already, and we're still a month away from that. But a lot of new changes coming, a a lot of new additions coming to Tour 12 on the podcast. And I am super, super, super stoked about uh, some of the new stuff we're going to be releasing on the podcast for 2019. Speaking of January, I do want to throw this out right quick. If you are part of the outdoor industry, which I know a lot of our listeners are, and you're going to be at the ATA show and you would have an interest in being on the podcast, uh, we probably can't take everybody because we don't have that much time. But if it's something you are interested in and you're going to be at the ATA show, uh, hit me up. Either message me, Jay Heath Graham, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Hit us up on email, feedback at tour12.com. 
and we will see if we can uh, allocate some time to have you on the show if you're part of the outdoor industry. We're going to be talking with a lot of people there already. The tour will be rolling through Louisville, I believe, this year. Louisville, Kentucky. It's been in Indy the last few years, and I'm glad it's in Louisville. It's a little bit closer for us, but again, hit us up. If that's something you're interested in, we'd love to have you on the show, potentially. I mean, make it clear, potentially. Can't make promises and just throw promises out there because there's a chance I might not even meet your expectation. Can't guarantee it, but we will at least look into it if it's something you're interested in. We'd love to at least entertain the thought of having you on the podcast because I know that our listeners, if you're listening, you've probably got something to give back as well. Some great information that people would love to hear. We'd love to hear your story if you're in the outdoor industry. So hit me up if it's something you're interested in. Today, we are going to be looking at the topic of persistence. This is a term that is far too overlooked in life and in business. And my man B. Hunt's going to be joining us here in just a minute. Cody Berry, producer man Cody, will be joining us here in a minute. But before they join us, I want to lay out just a few things that I really believe are worth considering. Um, If you're looking at doing something with your life besides a career that you don't enjoy, which is a lot of what this podcast is really geared towards. Um, I've talked with several people, um, some of you listeners, the last couple of weeks, really this last month, that are in the beginning stages of taking a leap and chasing your dreams, which let me just say I think is incredible. I think it's awesome. And if you're going to go that route, there's some things you need to be um, aware of prior prior to going into whatever your dream is, whatever you're fixing to go and tackle and say, you know what, I'm putting boots on the ground. I'm fixing to chase this thing with everything I have because this is what I want to do with my life. Persistence is probably one of the most important things we could talk about uh, when it comes to you achieving your dream or not. Because if you don't have it, you're not going to get there. And I'm going to talk about three quick things that um, I've just seen in the last probably 15, 20 years um, that paralyzes persistence. So three topics, and I want you to jot these down, either mentally or if you're taking notes. Some of you you used to tell me you was pulling over on the side of the road and jotting things down. This is going to be one of those times that you need to know what to be on the lookout for. Because these three things I'm about to tell you will absolutely paralyze persistence in your life, in your career, and for sure when it comes to the idea of living your passion. So you may be thinking, what or why is persistence an important topic of conversation? Well, here's a good reason why. According to Wealth Research Group, 98% of all people die without ever fulfilling their dreams. 98% of people die without ever fulfilling their dreams. And I can just tell you, I refuse to be one of those people. I may not fulfill every dream I've got going on, but I can promise you I'm fulfilling the ones that I can. And so when it comes to living your passion, persistence is probably one of the most important topics we could ever reference. So persistence, here it is by definition. It's a firm continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Most of us know what that is we recognize what persistence is so why then if we recognize it is it so common for people to give up on the idea of living their passion there's possibly a multitude of reasons if the truth were to be known 
Um, if you were to ca- categorize most of those regions, though, I believe they would kind of revolve around three categories, and those are the three categories I want to make mention of in today's podcast. The first one is fear. By nature, people have a fear of failure. It comes with the fear of the unknown. People fear being judged if they don't make it. People fear what people are going to think of them. If this doesn't work out, will people view my family? More importantly, if this doesn't work out, how are people going to even support my family? Will they even want to be friends with me if I'm a failure? Um, and it is a sad re- it's a sad reality, to be honest with you, but fear paralyzes so many people. Often, it is people who even seem really secure on the outside, but when you rip back the surface level confidence, you quickly can find that most people aren't willing to even start the idea of chasing their dreams. And so they never even have the opportunity to be persistent because they never started. Why? Fear. One word, fear. And I think everyone on the planet at some point plays what I call the what-if game. Now, I love the what-if game, but... The question is from what vantage point do you play the what if game from? I'm going to lay this out in sample form here. I'm going to I'm going to ask you a list of questions and you decide for yourself here in just a minute which type of person you are. Cuz one individual plays the game like this. What if this doesn't work? What if I can't get people to support me? What if no one believes this will work? What if I go broke? What if I fail those around me? What if I lose everything I have? Do you see the pattern there? The other individual plays the game like this. What if we could make this work? What if what we're about to do solves problems for thousands of people? What if we could take a plan, a trial, and test an idea and formulate a plan of action and change the world? What if we could take multiple business opportunities and create multiple streams of revenue? What if we end up being debt-free because of this? What if we were retired by the age of 50? Do you see the, the pattern there? Those are all just random what-if questions. The only difference was the attitude in which they were asked. One individual looks at everything with a negative outlook, and the other initially doesn't even consider the consequences. Now, I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for evaluation when it comes to risk. But when you're in the dreaming stage, this is what I call the dreaming stage, it should be the time that makes you come alive, man. Like, like when you're talking and dreaming, it just, and I, and I have these, these, these conversations on a regular basis. I get to talking with people all the time and I start talking about dreaming and business ideas. And man, I get fired up. Like I'm ready to go do something. And then I'm like, hold on, you got to pick and choose what you're going to be able to allocate your time towards. But these were all just what if questions. Now, You can ask those questions, and I'm pretty sure you know immediately which type of person you are. You either look at it positive or you look at everything negative. I know for me, the idea of taking something from nothing and breathing life into it with a purpose is something I believe we were really all created to do. However, the fact is, fear often paralyzes most people with having the ability to be persistent. And I honestly don't know that there's any middle ground on this. You either override fear or you don't. Again, I know plenty of people out there who think they are strong. They think they're courageous. They may even really believe they're confident. But when I ask the question, are you living your dream right now? The answer is almost always no. Why? One word, fear. That word paralyzes persistence. It's a fact. You're going to face opposition no matter what you do. So think about this for a minute. Would it not make more sense to face opposition doing something you love as opposed to facing opposition in a career you don't even enjoy? I promise you, you already know the answer to that. 
You just may not have looked at it or thought about it from that vantage point. The second category is this. This could surprise you, but when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. The second category that paralyzes persistence is people. It works hand in hand with fear, but I personally have never given the wrong people the power to influence what I will or will not do in my life. As a matter of fact, if anything, the only wrong people I've ever given the power to do anything with is to provide me with motivation. I remember years ago, um, someone making a comment when we were considering doing outdoor television. They were like the whole idea was a joke or something. And I remember one hater a couple years into this thing when we started strutting buck. Um, a couple years into it, a guy took one of our SB logos. We had decals that were all over town there for a little while in our hometown because we just gave them away to people. And he actually took the SB logo, cut it at the bottom, and flipped it around to where it, it, it said BS and stuck it on his back glass. <laughs> How awesome is that? Like, it gave me so much motivation that I can promise you 12 years later, that bro's not riding around town with a BS sticker on his back glass. You know why? Because that bro would look like an idiot. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it provided us, motive, it provided at least me motivation to kind of kind of roll with a chip on your shoulder. You know, like how it was in sports. Um, I can remember playing, playing sports back in the day. I always loved being the underdog, some, underdog. Some people didn't like being the underdog, but I absolutely loved being the underdog and trying to prove people wrong to a certain degree. Now, you can't live or die by what people think of you, but there's a certain level of rolling with a chip on your shoulder that will allow you to have motivation to be successful if you'll use it the right way. Now, some of you may be thinking, that's all cool story, Heath. I know you want to roll with the chip on your shoulder, be the underdog, but you're talking about a game. We're talking about life here. This is a big decision, and I'm going to agree with you on that one. This is a big decision. This is not a football game or a baseball game or a volleyball game or a basketball game. This is life we're talking about. So the stakes are a little bit higher. Because the stakes are higher, I want to make a statement that I believe there's a lot of truth in. It is impossible to stay persistent if you always focus on the wrong people. This is why people are so important in our everyday lives. The old saying, and there's a lot of truth in it, you are the reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. We used to tell our kids that. My parents used to tell me that. I'm going to tell you that's a reality even as an adult in the business world. That's why I try to surround myself with people who I know are very successful. I love being around multimillionaires. It inspires me to want to do more. And it's not even it really doesn't even have anything to do with money. It just has everything to do with being inspired to be successful and provide for my family and have purpose. And so people play a huge role in us having the ability to not only establish persistence in our life, but maintain persistence in our life. Because after all, the truth is, it doesn't matter how we start. All that will ever matter is how we're going to finish. That's why we're having this conversation on persistence, because you have to have it if you plan on finishing, because the wrong people will paralyze persistence in your life, in your dream, in your career. The third and last one is this. The third category is simply discipline. Most people have a problem sacrificing short-term rewards for long-term gains. Let me say that again. Most people have a problem sacrificing short-term rewards for long-term gains. We see this all in all phases of life. And patience is a quality a lot of people struggle with. Part of this is simply to do simply to do with culture. 
you know, every year it seems like things are moving faster and faster and faster. Technology has obviously played a major role in that. And I'm actually thankful for a lot of what is available today. But it's important to remember that in most cases, nothing great ever happened overnight. And a lot of great ideas may have happened overnight, but the actuality of and fulfillment of a dream or an idea takes time. It takes patience. It takes a whole lot of discipline. And so just because you have a dream doesn't mean you have a guarantee. The only thing you can control is you. And that's what I love about chasing the idea of living your passion. At the end of the day, for me, it always comes back to me. Like if there's nobody else I can cast blame on if something didn't work out. Because you know what? When I'm trying to live my passion and I'm going after it, I have to take ownership of what I'm trying to accomplish. It's nobody else's fault if I don't get there but my own. I have to know that, and that comes through discipline. Um, Disciplined people have a couple of distinct qualities that allow them to be successful. They know how, number one, how to avoid temptation, and they have follow-through. Two important things. You have to know how to avoid temptation and how to have follow-through. I may have talked about this on a podcast this year. I can't really remember, but I know at the beginning of January, maybe it was last December, my goal was to this year know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Because there's a chance if I say yes to the wrong things, it's going to end up being a temptation that, yes, it may give me some short-term you know, reward, but it's going to crucify my long-term gains. I promise you, I have a temptation every single day to take off down some path that would cause me to not follow through on something else I need to take care of. Disciplined people know how to decipher and manage their time properly. I can tell you it is unwise to say yes to everything. You're going to not only give yourself a headache, but more importantly, you're going to miss out on some great opportunities down the road. Be disciplined. Think through before you make a decision, especially if it's something that's going to take up a lot of your time. Here's what I've seen with a lot of people over time. Most of the time, people miss out on opportunities they never even knew they would have had a chance at because of the decisions they made prior to it. I can promise you people are watching your every move. If they're thinking about giving you an advance or giving you a raise, if you work for someone, they're watching your every move and everything's a test. The question is, will you pass the test and be disciplined? Because if you can, you're going to see great reward down the road. Be disciplined. Avoid the wrong temptations and follow through that's what being disciplined really is is follow through it leads to persistence as a matter of fact I would like to say it like this follow through is the offspring of discipline and paves the way for persistence I'll say it one more time and leave you with that follow through is the offspring of discipline and it paves the way for persistence I hope that gives you a little meat to chew on again those are just three quick things that I believe we can all evaluate in our life and evaluate kind of where we stand Um, when it comes to persistence in our life. And if we're launching into something new or a new business opportunity or living our passion, then those are definitely three things that we need to watch out for um, so that we're aware. Not allowing fear to control our life, not surrounding ourselves with the wrong people, and for sure, not being disciplined. We're going to continue a little bit more dialogue uh, in this conversation on this topic of persistence. We're going to talk a little bit of hunting. We're going to talk a whole lot of persistence. We're going to talk a whole lot about life. Let's dive in to that conversation right now. Well, what is up? We are back in the makeshift home studio of my house today. B's joining us today. Um, Got a front row seat at all these big gear you got on your wall. 
that he's joining us today from. I didn't not, notice that. Not from the cheap seats like you did last yeah, podcast. Yeah, no kidding. I was on the phone call in on accident. You gave us it was a, I almost felt like it was a special appearance. Like I feel like y'all were cheating on me. Like I didn't know y'all were doing a podcast and I called in and caught you. Well, or we caught you because you, you didn't me. you didn't know you were on a podcast when you called in. That is true. So we could have really got you if you'd have said something you didn't need to say and then we didn't tell yeah, you. You could have just acted like you weren't on it at all. <laughs> I've talked about somebody bad or because you do that all the time yeah you know me yeah <laughs> but uh anyway we're back and uh we're on this topic of conversation today dealing with um, persistence and i've shared a little bit of this with you but i just got done talking about three things that paralyze persistence we're gonna dive off into that just a little bit more um today cody's the one that cody the producer man he's the one that sparked this whole deal he's actually absent today he was awesome. gonna be here i thought and then he bailed but anyway well, he, he bailed for a good reason. Yeah. He's being a good husband this morning. Being a good husband. Supportive husband. But anyway, he thought we should talk about persistence due to our hunting this year, which has been quite a bit for yeah, me. It's been a very, very good exercise in persistence. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to like we need to lay the foundation of why though. Like it's Yeah, not, we did it to ourselves. Yeah, we it's not like we didn't do this to ourselves. So you can you want to explain why we're doing this well usually why we're hunting arkansas yeah, usually <laughs> starting end of october and through november we have various tags in other parts of the country to go hunt whitetails uh, whether that be kansas uh illinois iowa oklahoma you know we've hunted all over and usually this time of year that's what we're doing well not this year this year, we put our all our eggs in the Arkansas basket. All in, baby. All in. And so, pretty much since every chance we could get since the last week of October, we've been hunting. I will say this, though. I, I've actually had as much fun hunting this year as I have in a long time. From a hunting pure hunting standpoint, because... <laughs> Even though we hadn't shot anything yet. It's not that we couldn't have shot anything. We need to probably say that. Yeah, I mean, we passed some small bucks and some a lot of does, obviously. But I mean, generally, what we're doing is hunting a particular deer or two. You know, we're not just the farther hunting into season, a deer. The farther into season it gets, though, it's starting to be like, oh, yeah, we there's may a lot just, more options. Yeah, we may just start <laughs> hunting deer, any deer. Any deer. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a deer. We've been on, I mean, for Arkansas, though, we've had... Two or three pretty good bucks we're after. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, really fact good that we, you got a nice 10 point that we, if Had you would have been very willing, close encounter. If you'd have been willing to take a 58 yard shot broadside, mm -hmm. you'd either had a deer now or, or we'd be still tracking him. Yeah, that's <laughs> why. There's a lot that can happen with a whitetail, especially the Arkansas whitetail between the shot release and impact at 58 yards. Yeah. There's a lot of movement that can go on. I like to call our deer, it's kind of like bass fishing on the lake we live on. I like calling them educated. Uh, slightly. We have very educated deer. Yes. Due to the amount of pressure they have. And my biggest, it's not a fact of being able to make that shot. I feel like I can make that shot all day long. It's just you have no control over what happens at that, you know. What the deer is going to do. What his reaction. If he just stands there, it's all great. But, I mean, at that distance, any movement 
can mean well, and think up how much, getting six inches a foot off. And you know? think how much he's going to drop at that distance, too. Yeah, if he drops. If yeah. he drops such a shot, I mean, he's liable not even be in the vicinity anymore by the time the air gets there. That's interesting. I think a lot of people don't think about that because even at 20 yards, we've or 25 yards, we've went back and framed by framed a lot oh, of, yeah. over, over the years, a lot of deer that'll drop nearly a foot, sometimes more. Absolutely. From the, if you hold your finger like we've done on the screen and frame by frame it in quick time on the playback of a kill Your shot. Your air goes right there where the... But the deer's back drops down yeah. a foot below your finger. Exactly. It's pretty pretty phenomenal how quick they, they react. Oh, they're crazy. So at 58 yards, they're going to drop a long way. I mean, he could be 10 foot away Yeah. by the time yeah. he got there if he wanted to be. Yeah. So... But and, that being said, we've had some close calls, you know, yeah. some... Some close calls that, with deer and that didn't present a shot that were within range. Um, it's it has definitely been a practice of speaking persistence. Of, speaking of close calls, this is a great time to interject a close call. We've got a, a little farm. I've got when I say little farm, forty acres. It's actually about forty, forty-four acres to be a little more precise. Not mm-hmm. that that matters, but we've got a really nice buck we've been chasing, and I put a lot of time in on it, and. We decided to move some sets the other day, or hang some new sets, because we're moving all over trying to chase this this deer. We need to preface that there's a neighborhood <laughs> that is right beside this piece of property. Yeah, so it's just on the outskirts of town, but it it's so it's outside the city limits, but there's definitely a neighborhood all the way around, basically all the way around this 40 acres for the most part. <clears throat> and so... My professional hanger man, Brandon Hunt, who's great at hanging <laughs> sets, and, I, and I'm great at handing him stuff up while he's hanging sets, is hanging this new set in a massive tree, thank God. Yeah. Like, how big around is the diameter of that tree? Oh, you could. You, I mean, if I stretch my arms out to reach around it, I mean, I'm not even getting halfway around it I hardly. think the Lord was watching out for us because that's not a typical tree we would hang in Definitely as far as the size. It was the only tree there. So, but, that, so we had to go buy extra straps that were longer to mm-hmm. even get the straps around for the climbing sticks and, yep. and the stand to wrap around. And B climbs doing his normal thing. He's hanging up the trees 2020. B's doing his normal thing. He's about 30 foot. No, it wasn't that high. <laughs> I was actually on my way down. I was about halfway down. So B's up there hanging. You got to picture this. He's hanging off the side of the tree. I got, yeah, I'm <laughs> hooked into a lifeline. I'm at the bottom, thank thank the Lord, and I'm at the bottom of the tree, and all of a sudden a gunshot goes off, and literally the bullet comes screaming by. It had to be 10, 15 feet from my head. I don't know. My it was head. close. It scared me to death. It, <laughs> you just hear it. It's like, that's literally what happened and we both looked at each other like what the crap and i mean it was no time after that and then it was like and the dude starts unloading and there are bullets flying directly at us through the woods because there's a neighborhood and i guess the guy was sighting shooting his pistol target shooting his pistol in his backyard which was directly (laughs) facing towards where we were which in his defense he has no idea that we're in this patch of woods he had no idea and so here's where it gets funny though <laughs> i'll never forget this long to live so bees hanging off the side of the tree and we're we're like i'm i'm in, in one way i'm looking at this like because we try to be quiet everything we do hanging stands and everything you know and i, I forget sometimes that we're in this neighborhood where these deer are used to people uh-huh. 
which you reminded me of numerous times. And he says, he says, yell at him. <laughs> and, I'm, and I like whispered. I said, we're getting rounds fired off at us left and right. Pow, 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 pow. He's like rat-a-tat all at us. And he says, yell at him. And I looked up the tree and I said, I can't. We'll scare our deer. <laughs> Dude, I, I kind of did that as a joke, but kind of a serious. I'm, I'm in tears now because I was in tears out there. I was laughing so hard while we're on the verge of death. And finally, he looked. I looked down at him like, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, Are you we're, freaking kidding me? We're taking on rapid fire right now. I'm not worried about this deer anymore. I'm worried about dying. Yeah, I'm hunkered up. I'm wadded up behind this tree, hanging from this lifeline. No, you were not behind the tree. You were hanging completely off. I was the south side uh, of that tree. And this he, is wh- now, <laughs> while this is going on, Heath has strategically located himself way on behind the tree at the bottom and then is sitting there squatted down laughing. This is why I say it must have been the Lord watching out for us because this tree was so big. I could have my entire body behind the tree while bees hanging off the side of the tree taking on fire. <laughs> Trying to hang a stand for heat to kill this deer so, and I'm getting shot at. So all of a sudden bees like his reactive stage takes over. Oh, I yelled. And he yells back. I won't say exactly what he yelled, but <laughs> he yells at this dude. And dude, just I, he had to have hearing. Oh, he had hearing that protection hearing on because he never heard it. So it, he, it kept coming. So he unloaded some more. And you could almost basically tell when he would unload a clip and have to oh, swap. Yeah. We took off. Like, oh, no, 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 no. So, so he got... He yeah, because there would be a pause between him swapping clips out. Now keep in mind, he this dude has no idea we're probably literally forty yards through the woods from where he's at shooting, and so B finally shoots down when there's a stopping fire. He gets down and he jumps in there with me behind this tree, and we're like two. <clears throat> I don't know if you can say gay people on podcast, but we're like nose to nose behind uh-huh. this tree, like facing each other. <laughs> And sure enough, he starts unloading. Oh, I don't killed. know how many rounds he shot. Probably 30 or 40. Yeah, he shot a bunch of clips. And so my reactive instinct then kicks in. And I said, okay, here's the thought process. We've we've noticed that How are we going to get out of here? We've noticed that there's a break in fire every so often after so many rounds. And so we made the decision to the next break in rounds we had, we're fixing to make a break for it. Because our truck was probably, I don't know, a couple hundred yards through the woods. And we're going to make a break for it. Now, keep in mind, people, there are bullets flying directly at us through the woods, ricocheting off of trees. I mean, it's actually pretty scary. So I've realized at this point in my life now that right before I die, I'm probably going to be laughing my head off of us because <laughs> I've always had a tendency to laugh at the wrong times. But I didn't know what else to do because it was like, the, I was like, is this really happening? We, we could die right now. And so sure enough, the rounds finally cease for a moment. And we're like, go. Off we get. And, dude, we are sprinting through the woods. Crap's falling out of bees. His, uh, yeah, it, I lost a bunch of straps. Straps are falling out. But here's what we, you didn't see what I saw when we were running. <laughs> Country boy, cowboy, bow-legged bees sprinting through the woods as fast as he can go. And while he's like, it was like you were like Ezekiel Elliott kind of making moves around trees. You were oh, juking and jiving. But while you were juking and jiving, you're pointing at rubs. Well, I didn't want you to miss them. <laughs> I wait, dude. We're about to die. We're running for our lives, and you're pointing out rubs. I hadn't seen them yet. It was a uh, I found sign while we were while we were escaping. I say all that to bring us back to close calls because we've had some close calls this year. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> with deer in with, multiple ways. <laughs> with us being hunted, 
Oh, man, we got back. I don't even know if I told you. My wife tripped out. She's like, that ain't legal. They can't be just shooting rap random. Oh, yeah, fire. I know. She's called the sheriff and stuff, didn't I'm she? like, actually, they can. They're outside yeah, the they're city outside limits. Yeah, they're outside the city limits. They can do whatever they're they want. They're not really. He just didn't know where you were in I there. called. Actually, this is how this worked out. I don't know if your wife's ever done this to you. She kind of threw me under the bus. I was like, I ain't calling the dang sheriff. If you want to do that, whatever. So she calls one of her chief buddies because she knows every officer and all the all those type people here in our area. So she calls one. He's like, yeah, you probably ought to at least call and get the the uh, the sheriff to come out there, you know, or something. So she calls the guy, Barney Fife answers, and she's like, here, you need to talk to my husband. Oh, I'm like, no. So she hands me the phone, and I had to explain what happened. And true story, I guess whoever my wife had called first called them to let them know something went on. And the guy says, here, bud, all I know is shots were fired. Oh, gosh. And I was like, hold on, dude. Let us let me backtrack. I'm not trying to turn someone in here. We weren't like – and Christy wasn't either. Like, it wasn't like we were trying to get this dude in trouble because he had no idea he was shooting at us. But – it was he said now he said he's outside he don't ask what the road was and here's what was funny is like he's trying to decide where this was and who it might have been i said hold on dude let me tell you real quick who this was i said it's one of these two houses so i pull up my hunting app onyx <laughs> i didn't pull up onyx you use onyx oh that's right you use i what? was using uh hunt wise hunt wise and now I, I like i probably would use onyx but i've already paid for hunt wise so yeah. i ain't gonna pay for another one but anyway, the app has all of the boundaries of, you know, properties and houses mm-hmm. and who owns them and their phone numbers, address, the whole deal. So I pull it up. Like, I knew more than the dude officer did because of my app. And I said, look, it's one of these two houses. I'm not going to tell you what houses they were. I'm not trying to throw nobody under the bus. But so I told him, I said, it's one of these two guys was nearly killed us. And he said, well, he's not actually illegal. He's outside the city limits. He said, I'm not going to say what he was doing with the ethical because he obviously didn't holler out there and see him, make sure nobody yeah. was behind where he was shooting. But anyway, he's like, all I heard was shots are fired. And I'm like, dude, it's not a big deal. We're not turning the guy in. We're just wondering if you. You don't even want to <clears> be <throat> in this conversation in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I got completely tossed like into this conversation because I'd have never called the guy to begin with. <laughs> but I think he said he was going to go over there and talk to him and just ask him to at least consider there might be people behind him hunting. You well, know? yeah. So who knows? Note, note self here if you're going to. Just shoot around a lot of homes or where potentially people could be behind you. You might at least yell out there just to ask if anybody's out behind where you're fixing. Exactly. Unload 40 rounds. We would appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, man, I laughed so hard. That's scary, dude. I'll tell you what, really, what I found out from that was how bad out of shape I was by the time we got (laughs) back to the truck. (laughs) Ever since, I'm telling you, I'm I'm on a roll right now, though, speaking of shape. Um, (laughs) <laughs> well where is this going well i'm just i'm not going completely cross for it mode with you <laughs> but I, I did buy me a jug of protein yesterday Uh-oh. i'm considering starting to work out Uh-oh. again so he, he's buying supplements now now he's now he's committed <laughs> he's got money invested in working out now i got some weight i got me a weight bench coming but i don't have any weights bought yet but i think what it is 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 Climbing some of the trees you've had me climbing this year with my have question have you questioning your yeah what, your uh, physical state what what I'm 
not question. I mean, I know what kind of state I'm in. It's pretty obvious. But what it's made me do is I feel like I'm on a roll since hunting season started. Oh, you're on the uptick. And so I don't want to stop doing nothing I'm with you. because I've been doing stuff. So I thought this is a great opportunity just to keep moving forward and at least start jogging. Or Well, and that's kind of – that's a this is a total rabbit trail, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and warn everybody that. But I hear that all the time about, well, I don't have to be in shape to white to hunt. I don't have to be – and you don't. I mean, if you're going to go sit in a box blind or a ground blind, right. no, no, you don't. But if you're a serious bow hunter and you're hunting it deer the helps. way we hunt deer, yeah, being in shape makes a big difference in how well you get, how quiet you get in and out of the I stand. I knew that was coming, All how quiet. Stuff. I knew that was coming. He's speaking from experience, people. <laughs> Me and B hunt the same tree a lot, and I feel like I've got about 350 pounds going up a tree. I ain't that heavy, but I'm probably pushing 300 with my bag. And You're not bad. You're not bad. Well, I feel like it's awful. But I'm just, I think about other people <laughs> doing it, and I'm like, man. You need to know how B hunts, though. Like, he is. Uh, you got to be lethal. He, uh. Is very particular about the way he goes. Matter of fact, all our new guys, I've told them they need to come hunt with me first <laughs> before they go try film you. It actually, so I can help you know they what need to, to come with me no, first no, and then you. No, no, no. That is not true because, like, I care, and I care more because I've hunted with you, so I've, I use it in my own strategy, too, I think, when I'm by myself, but which is never, really, because we film. But um, – I can give the the new guys a little bit of expectation of what to. I can correct them a whole lot and blame it on you, so it doesn't make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, you need to walk step for step with me, or B, or B. When you go you with B, he's gonna call you out. <laughs> I'm saving you. Oh yeah, I'm just saving you a little headache. So, <laughs> but you're right. It really does. There's been all kidding aside. When you're bow hunting like we are and climbing some of the trees we're climbing, and then. It's in our in our case, and we've got a lot of people probably listen that do film hunts. You got double the noise already, double the odor mm-hmm. already, and so you want to cut down on that as much as you can. And you know, I mean, a guy doesn't have to be in world class shape or anything, but just being able to handle your body weight is a huge deal. It really is, you know. Even coming down, just <clears throat> stepping, being able to take your body weight with one leg and push it foot up, you know. Yeah, that's huge and there's a lot of people can't do that i, I want to throw this out there if you're filming hunts and and you're hanging a set for two people to get in you should consider the length of the legs of your cameraman yeah you gotta do that i've learned that <laughs> bill stretch out like five foot per step yeah and my i've got a longer midsection I don't do it as bad as since i've got older no you don't but you've got a longer legs, evidently, than I yeah. do. I've got a longer. We're close to the same height, but I don't uh-huh. think I'm longer midsection <laughs> and shorter legs. Or I'm just very unflexible. Because when I'm trying to get up some of these steps you've got, I've gotten hung up a couple of times going up where I couldn't reach it. And then you coming can't get down, your foot off when and you're then coming down. down. And my boots, there's so much pressure on my leg because <laughs> of the tension on the step. I can't get it off the step coming down. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. That's not really safe. You wait till you climb the sand, the stand I just hung the other day. Hey, you're be I've like, been getting them ladders here lately. You're going to be like, that's the easiest set I've ever got you in. You got like a step every foot? Well, I mean, foot and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's super. I Actually, I, it's a great set, actually. I hung two lone wolves in a, in a tree. and <coughs> It's in a little risky spot, Excuse but me. we're at that time of season where you got to be a little riskier. Oh, yeah. and we're uh, We're definitely that to that point and i've and i'm and i'm trying to teach gavin too so my boy's hunting he's bow hunting a little and so i hung the set 
in an effort to kind of try to show him how to hang a safe set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't let him go with Don't me. Don't go with you. But anyway, persistence uh, is, is a topic of conversation today. Well, and go ahead. Talking about persistence, I mean, that uh, – I mean, the, even, hunt, the hunting season has been just like what we were saying. It's just been a huge – practice in persistence this year yeah and i just had this conversation with a buddy of mine last night on the phone um i see a lot of guys hunting nowadays and and trail cameras have been a huge asset to what we do um but i think trail cameras have saved as many deer lives as anything we've ever had because guys will not hunt based off of what they've got on their trail cameras if they're not getting a picture of a deer they won't go hunting well there's a lot of there's not very much area that a deer that a trail camera covers yeah and i see it all the time well i'm not gonna hunt him i'm not getting pictures of him just because you ain't getting pictures of him does not mean he's not there prime example big buck we're chasing out there on my place saw him three times four, one morning four times one morning walked within six feet of two trail cameras he skirted them every time but and once. not one single picture i got of him. cameras all over that place and he he skirted that camera so he's in the area he just ain't stupid because of course a lot of times there's in our down south we've got feed or something mm-hmm. in front of a camera and so those are in there all the time but he's he's smart and old for a reason absolutely you know? and, but that goes back to what i was going to say of nothing beats time in a tree and persistence for killing big deer yeah the guys that i know that do it day in and day out they are there every chance they get when the wind's right. Yeah. You're and gonna, that's how they kill them, you're with have, persistence. You'll have some fluke deals. from Every, well, yeah, every you're gonna, year, you're going to see some guy that's hunted three minutes and killed a giant. I'm talking about guys that do it <laughs> year every in, year, year year in, year out. They don't, I mean, most times you don't even know they've done it. Yeah. But they're killing good, good deer every year, and two or three of them a lot of times. Yeah, and that's true. And that's what they... <laughs> They are persistent in what they do, yeah. in their system and how they hunt, and they're there all the time. I think something that plays into it a lot, too, if you're talking about increasing your odds, <laughs> we're experiencing this, this this year. There's a reason we've always went to the Midwest as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so if you can combine the right areas with persistence, man, you're, you're going – your kill rate's going way up. Yeah, and, and – and, there are good, better deer in the Midwest, but that's not necessarily why that's where we go. The reason we go to other states is a pressure issue. Um, well, that and I think it's the pressure issue, but it's also because of the pressure because issue. Because of the pressure, those deer act more normal and do what deer are supposed to do. Yeah. And you see them a lot more. They're a lot more visible. Um and we're down filming. here yeah and we're filming so, so we're, that's very i mean you so we gotta can, be able to see them to we film can them. <laughs> we can go to kansas for five days and get more footage in five days than, than what we can get here, here, here. and by far mm-hmm. like we've hunted 18 days here in arkansas this year and we've got a little footage but nothing like what we would have had in five days in kansas oh no even being persistent exactly so i think location as far as when you're talking about success it 
it definitely plays a role. I was talking with a buddy, Mark, about that not too long ago because he kills stuff like crazy every year. And he said, Heath, I'm, he said, I'm, I'm not a great hunter. He said, but um, he now he does put in the time. Yeah, he and he hunts great places. That's what he said, though. He said location, location, location Absolutely. has so much to do with how successful I am. You know, we have a lot of gun season, and I'm not an anti-gun season person. The what what pressures our deer is they're so long, and they're they're stacked on top of each other, and they're just constant people in the woods rifle season's about six months here ain't it and you feel like it <laughs> yeah dog it's been going on since july doesn't it end here for long this weekend the last weekend golly yeah so we uh speaking of uh you want to answer the phone aaron killer's calling in tell him we're podcasting hold on y'all this is the second week in a row we're gonna do this aaron keller can you hear me now are y'all podcasting? You're Are on you podcasting. We're you're trying on, to. You're on the podcast right now. I'm on the podcast. You want to say hi to everybody? Well, I can't say my idea then. I, I can't <laughs> let the world know about my idea too you, quick. You got a new entrepreneurial spirit arising in you? No, it's uh, we're working on marketing and some marketing stuff for Swagger. Oh, I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> you're the marketing guy. You should. <laughs> This is how a typical marketing conversation goes with South Face Media and Swagger. (laughs) (laughs) Are you really needing to talk about marketing? No, no, not if your podcast were good. I just, I had some ideas. Uh, I shared you a Google Docs. Okay. Um, Everybody's on it. Start some videos. You're right. Everybody, including the podcast listeners, are on it. Right now, I'm going to pull it up and read it to them. (laughs) Don't be reading all that stuff on there. We don't even play our cards too quick. We got confidentiality things here. I was just telling B, this is the second week in a row we've had a call-in guest. B was the call-in guest last last night. I was. We were down in Texas at Kendall's, and he called in, so... I thought yeah, was, I, I got thought, called in to the Daggum Insta famous chick <laughs> conversation. What's he I can't hear him. Yeah, he dialed in. He oh, you ain't got headphones on. That's why you can't hear. Him. He was saying how when he called in, we were in the middle of the Insta famous chicks conversation with Kendall. Insta famous. Yeah, like the well, they call them huntresses, the Insta huntress chicks. That's the conversation we were in when B called in. So. Hey, I, th- I think we're good friends, though, because we, we're so good of friends, we let you know you were calling in and being recorded. We could have not told you. Oh, gosh, yeah, that could have been bad. No, that would have been good. You'd have been, you vent- know, you'd have been you venting on your kid driving or something. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. You never know what's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it would have went from TV everyone to TVMA real quick. Yeah. We can adjust um, those settings podcast mature only <laughs> yeah um so what are y'all talking about today anyhow persistent persistence yes we're talking i kind of set it up with we're talking about persistence in people that are living their passion chasing their dream you know and uh, right now we're talking about persistence in hunting because we're dealing with it here in arkansas of what it takes to- well pers- persistence fits what i all my narrative of what i've just spent an hour and a half on a phone call with oh so. yeah you got any well, wisdom for us well no we're just trying to be persistent with our marketing efforts and swagger how do we how do we teach these um the the, the people today the naysayers of you know they they 
I call them the keyboard warriors who don't know crap about hunting or really the outdoor industry, but they think they do because they've read every blog in the country. But that's all right. It's another story for another day. But you got to be persistent to convince them because Josh had a guy that just was just beating the snot out of us on social media about how it was. And then it was so funny uh, when your customers come to your uh, aid. And then all of a sudden, the persistence of Josh staying on this guy and me challenging him, like, hey, you know, you're thinking about this wrong. Let's think about this this way. Oh, yeah. And to the point where we're like, hey, you know, I'll ship you one. If you don't like it, ship it back. And uh, now the guy's a, a swagger lover. But it, it just persistence paid off. And that's why I was telling Josh, how do we how do we keep that persistence in our – and we actually did use the word persistence because, I mean, you can't abandon – your message just because you feel like maybe something's not working right now it just might take longer than what right. you anticipate um so if you're always changing what you're doing you never know what truly is working and what's not working same kind of thing it goes into hunting right you know you can set the same standard you can bounce around trying to chase a deer all over the hillside yeah well we and that's one of the things i was talking about three things that that paralyze persistence in business a lot of times and people I mean, parallel business not paralyzed. No, paralyzed. I'm talking about something that stops oh, persistence. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Something that basically paralyzes persistence is sometimes it's people, because if you listen to the opinions of everybody that really has nothing to do with what you're doing, then you're going to be on a rabbit trail your whole life. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I see that inside of our organization. You'll get a negative comment or something from a um, from one person. And then you spend four days trying to figure out how you can, you know, how, oh, what are we doing wrong? I'm like, dude, it's one person. Who cares? You know, roll on. You can't convince everybody. Right. Um, and, and they focus on the one negative comment, but they don't look at the, you know, you look at Swagger on Amazon and and uh, we're four and a half star. We don't even have anything below, below a th- three review, you know. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with Big and J you go through and you Big and J, you know, on one website we might be a three star with this product, but on another we're five. Well, negative naysayers have always been the people that speak the loudest. Well, they're always I mean, going to be there, it's, too. It's the same thing in the political world. Conservatives like us, we don't go out and throw rocks and block businesses because, hey, we're the ones working. It's the people that scream the loudest that gets the most attention. And we do that in our business today. I mean, and I, I just ignore them. I really don't give a crap what people say. We're so uh, shocked. <laughs> well, I mean, because I just don't li- listen to the negativity, you know. Um, the people I have to listen to is the people that control the checkbooks and, yeah. at the end of the day. And then, and um, if if you look at the success of companies, if Yeti, if Yeti, they're a prime example. I was a negative against Yeti at first, not, not from a standpoint that I didn't think they had a great product, but from a standpoint that I grew up lower income, and when somebody launches a $300 cooler, I'm like, holy crap, who is going to buy this? This is freaking stupid. Well, I got a, three of them now, so. Uh, <laughs> but at first, you know, I, but if Yeti would have uh, would have all of a sudden said, man, we, you know, because, you know, the first few years of their, their life, they, they, they struggled. Yeah. Um, if they would have listened to the negatives. And not being persistent and said, you know what, we're a premium cooler, we're a lifestyle, you're going to get what you pay for. And if they had chased Igloo or Coleman and went all of a sudden went from a three ninety nine retail to, okay, we've got to cut some margins, make this thing cheaper, it's not going to sell, where would they be today? Yeah. They, they, they probably wouldn't be where they're at. That's the, that's the stance we take at Swagger. You know, we get beat up by these steel bangers, as I call them. 
Um, and we're a hunting bipod, you yeah. know, our current model is. Yeah. So I think that's like, cool when you talk about persistence, because if you, if you focus on the naysayers, you're going to be all over the map all the time. But what's interesting, we've seen this in marketing for years is once you maintain, you know, kind of being persistent in whatever your approach is, eventually the the voices that are for you are louder than those that are against you and absolutely you, and you see those you see like you're talking about you see guys and you're following you don't even have to say anything on social media a lot of times because you you're following your following takes care of it for you yes. like don't be an idiot yeah <laughs> have you used the product <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the way it was intended to be used yeah so and i you know it's a, and we we're actually having a conversation so here, here's a struggle that swagger has faced since day one um if you look at 95% of our competitions, they all make their junk in China. And I use the word junk. I probably shouldn't use junk, but anything that comes from China in my mind, because I am a make a great, make America great guy. Um, and you can't do it by always supporting companies built in China. And, you know, and that's the one thing with people we've had I, every year i'm going to say every month i'm contacted by people that i know dude you're killing yourself keeping your product in america and if i listen to them my goal is you know look, look where we're at today you got you got tariffs are coming in place on imported metal and and products now from china well it's like 29 percent. so all of a sudden the gap has been closed for for my competition to me and the price difference you know uh louisville's a prime example um you know, they, they, they stuck to their guns. They're an American-made company, and um, and that's kind of where we're at. We, you know, we do, we have to import a few things because China has, has completely pushed a lot of things in America out, but the majority of our products made in America, and uh, it's all assembled here for sure, and um, we've stuck to our guns, and we've just said, we're not leaving America. We're going to stay here. All of our products we're bringing to the, the in the future, we're going to stay in America. Everybody's like, we're not going to chase this price point and try to be cheap just because we think we want to get some sales. You know, it's about selling experience. It kind of goes back to, you know, I know we always reference Yeti, but they did it. They fucking, they stuck their heels in the ground and they said, here it is. It's a $400 cooler, but it'll be the last one you buy. Yeah. You know. Which is totally opposite of what's really happened because we've all got two or three yeah. I mean, I was looking in my, my, where we have our cups in the kitchen and dude, I have more Yeti cups than I have like glass cups now. Yeah. But that's just cause you want a different size one. <laughs> I'm that, just saying. It ain't cause you needed well, a new I do, cooler. I, I, drink out. I drink out of a freaking Yeti coffee cup in the morning. Why? Because it keeps my coffee hotter. Yeah. Um, and then I drink out of a Yeti cup all day because it keeps ice. That's yeah. what me and my wife, we're the same way. You open our cabinet up. The whole bottom shelf is nothing but Yeti. Uh, tumblers and stuff like that. We got like eight fancy glasses, you yeah. know, that we drink out of when people come from Thanksgiving. Except me, I still drink out of my Yeti. But and but no, I mean, and that, you know, that's the same thing. But I, I, I mean, it goes with this narrative. But I think the one persistent thing our outdoor industry's done is we've been a race to the bottom. And that's that has been the persistence that's hurt our industry more than anything. Yeah. Um, I was telling a guy the other day. You know, people look at I use Swagger as an example. You know, we got a product that retails for one ninety nine, and 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 it's not like everybody's like, you know, I'm not making a kill on this thing. I mean, 
it's a product that um, I can get into a lot of things and make a lot more money per percentage wise than what we're doing today. Or I go to China and then I can really increase my percentage and keep my retail the same. You know, I can make 60 more percent on this thing. But if you look at today, I, I went back to 2000, I think it's one maybe. I was selling a Savage Stevens 200 for 329 in retail and making probably, I don't know, 15% because there's never been a lot of money in the gun market. Mm-hmm. And today you can buy a Ruger American for the same price. Tell me what product you can buy today from 2001 to today the same price other than firearm. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You know, I bought a brand new Nissan Frontier back in the day. You know, I paid like nineteen thousand dollars for it in 2000 you know that truck ain't nineteen thousand dollars a day it's 40 grand yeah but we're yet we're still selling firearms for the same price today and that's really hurt our industry because it's been a race to the bottom uh groceries aren't the same price coolers sure aren't the same price anymore i mean yeti helped coleman they got they was able to man we don't have to be nineteen dollars anymore we can sell coleman coolers for 49 bucks now you know yeah so, but there's not been anything in, in the in the firearm industry that's truly done that. It's again, it's a race to the bottom. I don't know if it's because every brother, everybody and their brother wanted to have an FFL and then, I mean, and sell at 10 percent. But the persistence of uh, maintaining low margin is killing the outdoor industry. I wonder why that is, though. I mean, like, why that don't even make sense for me from an entrepreneurial standpoint, from a business standpoint. Why would you not want to sell less at a greater at a greater price point than having to manufacture and deal with so much more to make the same money, you know? You know, I, I, I don't understand it either. I, I've often asked that. I mean, <clears throat> but it's, uh, I mean, you look at, it's since just you look at a Vortex, they come in and they did it right. They come in and had a dealer market, and but they didn't come in and promote cheap product where they come in we're going to be a premium brand we're going to go after they took a different um they took the the uh the three-tier distribution system out and was direct to dealers so they could maintain their margins and that was exciting to the dealers because now all of a sudden they got a company that's not a race to the bottom and they're truly protected and you know not many people are doing that anymore so um I really don't know what's caused. I don't know if it's uh, companies thinking they can all of a sudden sell, you know, you go sell a million um, firearms, you know, but if you're only making $2 on selling that million firearms, I don't know what, you know, then you got a lot of overhead. I mean, I really don't understand it. I mean, I had a guy once that wanted to start a firearm store here, and this is, you know, this is back. I mean, they were Bass Pro, Cabela's, and Caddy's, but they weren't to the level they are today. That's when the dealer network was still big. And in the firearms world, the dealer network is still really big, but he's like, man, we could sell, we could turn a million dollars worth of firearms at 10%. I'm like, yeah. How much money is that? You know, let's think about that. 10% on a million dollars, what's your profit? And he starts thinking about it. I said, so how much are you going to pay me? How much are you going to pay yourself? What's your rent going to be? I'm like, you're going to have to sell something else for more than 10% or you're going to be out of business. I'm like, yeah. you've got to maintain a 30 to 35% average or you can't keep the doors open. And uh, that's where I think that's what truly hurts the fire manager more than anything is these guys coming out. It, not necessarily the... the um, not necessarily the, the manufacturers, more the, the 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 way that the firearm industry is distributed. And this is, again, my opinion, but 
all of a sudden, when you think about how many FFLs are out there in the U.S. today, and I, I don't forgot the number, but it's it's a large number. I mean, just in my, my town alone, I can tell you there's probably 20 FFL dealers, but there's really only two gun shops. Wow. But there's a pharmacy guy that's selling guns to his buddy, and he <laughs> he's buying from this distributor, and he's just so... At the end of the day, he's just trying to get his guns paid for, and that's truly been the problem, I think, with the firearms industry. It started at the FFL level, <laughs> and then it started with import companies coming in, and then an American company like a Remington having to compete. All of a sudden, you got an import company coming in, and they're building the gun for a fraction of the price uh, because at the end of the day, metal is metal. Labor is where their true cost is, you know. When you pay a machinist in the United States, I don't know what the average rate is, but let's just say it's 30 bucks an hour and you pay somebody overseas $3 an hour, that's a drastic savings. And that's where I think the import market has truly hurt us, other than brands like Benelli and Beretta, who truly thrive to make great products. And uh, you don't see cheap Benellis and Berettas out there because you know they spend a lot of marketing, but they spend a lot in their product as well. But you look at some cheap, there's a lot of cheap rifles out there today. There's a lot of cheap shotguns. I think that hurts us more than anything. How do you think from the consumer standpoint, though, do you think at the end of the day, I'm asking myself this question while I'm asking you, to, to me, is it more important to get a good deal on something or is it more important to say you bought something in America? Do you know? I think it's split. I really do. Um, Here's my honest opinion on that. I think that there's the guys like I'm going to use Brandon. He's he's the gear junkie. Brandon, be the body gearhead. Be the body hunt. <laughs> is, oh my uh, gosh. He buy. He wants the best of the best. Yeah. He researches. He does it because when he goes, he goes. I mean, he he's it's his passion. He does it. You got those guys like I will say a Heath and an Aaron. We, you know, I want to say we don't hunt as much as a lot of people, but I buy good things. Um, I don't buy cheap stuff, but I don't buy it because it's a lifestyle or to make me look big. Because I, I use Matthews as an example. Back when I had a retail store, I sold Matthews. I would sell Matthews hats to people that couldn't afford Matthews because they made it a lifestyle, no different than a Yeti. Yeah. So when you're not a brand that is big enough that it's a bragging rights to have you, then I think that's where you split the guys. You know, you got guys that come in and they, they buy a, a they want to they buy a Remington Sendero back in the day, but they can't, so they go buy a Remington ADL, you know. But they got a Remington. They don't tell anybody what they have. So that's, that's a little bit of that. But then you got guys that they, and we'll use the bipods, for example. You know, they want a bipod. Well, they go buy one that's 19 bucks because it's cheap. And, and the, the theory is because you think about it in the bipod world, there's really there's there's one brand that stands above all um, as far as a name is is Harris because they they invented it they they've been the category leader um, they were the first innovators in that marketplace um, but realistically Harris has been impacted by Chinese junk um, and there's guys that are going to buy Harris because they want good stuff and there's guys that just want a bipod and they don't care because it's not Harris has not made it to the cool to shoot lifestyle because they've never branded their company they're probably the smartest company ever I don't know that they've ever marketed their brand but they're the most notable brand in bipod market today 
know, we, we now, since Harris, we're the only other bipod company to truly bring innovation because there's a ton of bipod out there that are really not innovative. Bipod is a support for a firearm. They're all rigid. They're all, this one might be lighter than that one. That one might have a little bit more um, what they call cant. You know, this one's got a smoother ball bearing or whatever. We're the first one to truly innovate since Harris, but we're trying to take a little bit different approach because um, we want to build that lifestyle like the Yeti. We want Swagger to be cool to shoot. Um, you know, shoot with Swagger. There's a reason we put the name, and it's not because um, the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we didn't even think about that at the time. But, you know, now, Harris again, is, Harris is overseas, right? Made over no, no, no. Harris is U.S. Harris oh, is, is it? U.S. Harris, Harris is a great, you betcha, the Harris family is a great manufacturer. They make a great product. That's what I'm saying. They've probably been impacted greater than anyone um, by the cheap Chinese crap. I got you. And I'll call it cheap Chinese crap because you remember the day we did the drop test. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it, nothing survived but us and Harris. Now, Harris didn't survive the truck, but except us but um yeah we actually did just for what he's referencing we actually did a product testing of durability dropping stuff from i don't know how high we were on the concrete 30 feet 30 feet dropping stuff running stuff over stuff of the truck and all the all the cheap chinese stuff just shattered the first drop that one exploded <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like how's that 49.99 going now you know but, you know, again, we've stayed persistent in our marketing efforts because we took the Yeti approach. All right, we're building, we're building a little bit of a lifestyle here. We want you to be, when you shoot Swagger, you know, we, you want to have a little bit of confidence being associated with our brand. You know, I, I, I go back to, um, you know, I refer back to the music world a lot. I use Taylor as the as the deal. You know, Taylor is the hottest brand out there right now. Martin was forever in acoustics, and um, and everybody's like, they look at my guitar and they're like, "What brand is that?" I'm like, "Ah, it's just a kind of a small offshoot of a guy, and he built a great." You know, I don't buy Taylor to because uh, right now, it, to me, it's the lifestyle. They build a great product. I'm not saying they don't. I would. But I, I play a guitar that nobody knows what it is, and it's just uh, it's a great guitar, but he spent no money. It's almost like the Harris people. He was trying to be innovative. The problem is he just didn't have the capital to do what he was trying to do. Um, but Taylor has been so persistent in their marketing efforts and some of their technologies that they have become the brand in the acoustic world to play. Yeah. Um, and they're sure not the cheapest out there. Yeah. Well, and they make some cheaper ones, but, you know, you got a guy that, you know, he might be playing that 100 series Taylor, which, and it's, again, it's 600 bucks. The dude might not be able to play the thing. I mean, I see so many. I used to do it when I used to give guitar lessons. I'll never forget. I had a, a Epiphone Les Paul because I couldn't afford a Gibson back in the day. Yeah. And I had this I had this kid roll in. He had a $5,000 guitar. <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow. He thought. He wanted, if he couldn't play the guitar, he was going to look really cool. <laughs> that was the whole deal. You know, I yeah. mean, but hey, and the kid couldn't play. He was horrible. He was, uh, I, I spent a year with this kid. And I, I mean, I, I could play better left-handed than this kid after a year, you know. I'm just like, uh, but that, again, look what Gibson did. Gibson created a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, they, they, they are the brand. Gibson and Fender is the two brands you hear 
more of anything on that. And, you know, I've said it for off. I've said it for years. Perception sometimes is often greater than reality. No kidding. And like that, yeah. that's a perfect prime example of somebody having a five thousand dollar guitar, but really has no business with it. But they want to look like perceptionally they can play it. You know. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I look at all the jeeps today. And you actually take your Jeep off-road, he, so does Brandon, and so do I a little bit. But look how many street queens are out there. They got 40-inch tires on it, and they got a hijacker jack, and they got all this crap on there. And that thing has never seen the dirt of the day in its life. And that's what it's built for. Yep. That's right. But they look cool in that new Jeep JKU, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's marketing, though. Marketing. Persistence and so, you know, marketing. You think about, I mean, Jeep has stayed persistent in what they do. I mean, you look at all the brands, really. See, they've stayed persistent in everything they do. They don't. They don't waver. I don't know if you have you guys seen Christy. My wife will show me this yesterday. Brandon, you might can Google it real quick. The Payless shoe deal that just happened. This is recent. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. Don't quote me on it because I don't know exactly how it worked. But she was showing me they they created so off of a Payless shoe. They created a luxury brand and packaged it in a in a fancy like almost like a Louis Vuitton type packaging in a in a bag and they called it Paylessy, I think. They named it like this fancy rit- ritzy name. You didn't read it like that. It would look like it was read like Paylessy, like P A Y L E S S I or something like that's how they spelt it. Well, they had a bunch of celebrities and stuff grab it. Now, this was all just a test, and they started charging like $600 for a Payless shoe. Did you find it? Payless opens fake luxury yeah. shoe store. So they opened a store and put their Payless <laughs> shoes in there and started charging like $600 for them. And, dude, people, they were flying off the shelves. <laughs> Holy crap. I mean, but that goes to show you there's people that want to – I mean, my, I think I've said it on a podcast before. Like, you take Matthews when they bought Mission. I sold so many Missions. I sold more Missions than I ever sold Matthews. Why? But, man, them boys didn't say they had a Mission. They got a Matthews. It was a game perception. I think people, you look at that. I mean, we see time. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm poor white trash. I still buy my blue jeans at Walmart in 1999. Why? Because I tear them up. Yeah, I don't need no lucky brand. I, I don't need any of that fancy crap. But there's people that's the only thing they'll wear because I mean it's expensive. I mean, um, one I don't think men should have rhinestones on their butt. But Brandon <laughs> probably agree with that, don't you? I totally agree with that. <laughs> oh man, we got some rhinestone wearers out here. That goes back to the first podcast. Don't you just you? offended half of our crowd. No bling or heavy stitching. <laughs> <laughs> on your back pockets preferably w's is all you need back there that's right i got a pair that says w right now that's hilarious and i'm wearing boots that actually look like boots that ain't checkered up or some crazy stupid thing <laughs> skinny jeans are out also skinny jeans i can't wear skinny jeans brandon i'm not be the body be the I, body i, I don't I'm i can't I can't wear them, dude. You'll never see me in that. I'm kind of happy in the middle. Can't, I ain't never seen you in those skinny jeans. Well, no, but I was telling you the other day, my wife had bought me a pair of Hudson's or something. Yeah. Now, I didn't pay the premium primo price for because that would have never happened, but I'm not going to lie. It's probably some of the most comfortable jeans I've ever wore, other than some of the suits I just got the other day. <laughs> They're pretty good, too. 
I wore, I had to wear skinny, well, not skinny jeans, or I guess they would, they're not jeans, but I had to wear them once in my lifetime, my brother's wedding. He moved to California, and he became some yuppie, so he, I don't know what happened to him, but um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he picked the outfit, because I was the best man at his wedding, and and uh, had to play the guitar, and the first pair he got were so small, he sent them to me, you know, I got my size, and I put them on, and they were so tight. I squatted down to try to like stretch them out, and I ripped the freaking crotch out of them things so fast. And he was so pissed because they're like a hundred dollar pair of pants. I was like, why don't I just go to Gap and buy me some of the same color? You know, and that's what I did. I, I didn't. Even, I, I wore them for about fifteen minutes and ripped the crotch out of them. So that's funny. But yeah, I'm like Brandon. Skinny jeans just don't fit fat guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not right anyway, huh? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I like yoga pants. It's not right on multiple levels. That's right. <laughs> well. No, so, yeah, when y'all, when y'all get off this podcast. <laughs> this I has been got, great. This, this worked out perfect. I actually have an awesome idea that. I probably will have to get approval from the higher ranks because I might offend a lot of people with this new marketing thought process. You, you need to start a new business, and in the name somewhere has to be offended or offensive. Or do you agree? Well, <laughs> truth I hurts, don't? Truth hurts. It does. You know. I'm just it kidding. does, and people don't realize what it takes to do this. You know. It is anything. That's what that's what this podcast has really been about in, in life in general. Whatever you're fixing to set your mind to is you've got to surround yourself with the right people to be even be able to be persistent. Because you're going to want to give up. We we joke about struggling, but we've give up on it a hundred times. But well, we stayed but, course. But we're still doing it, you know, because we're surrounded one by each other, but the right people, and not listening to the wrong people. And so you got to have a lot of a lot of uh, work ethic and willingness really just to not give up and takes discipline and overriding fear a lot of times you know that's the three things we've talked about is fear the wrong people and discipline those three things will, will paralyze persistence if you're not careful and no matter what people, you're doing I'll, i think people that aren't persistent are afraid of failure yeah probably yeah i mean at some level at some level for sure i mean i screw up on a daily basis so but i am very persistent i'm gonna drive home every i mean i think people don't realize that sometimes too i mean because fear is what makes us i mean overriding fear and failure is what makes us successful it's what what we learn from our mistakes you know and it goes back to perception it goes back to perception too because people look at someone who is successful in an area or at something or with something and but what they don't see is that that person failed 50 times before he got or he or she got to the point they're at now you know did you notice how precise aaron he just said that that's exactly that's exactly the precision he climbs a tree with step by step. <laughs> and then he expects me to do that. My fat butt, yeah. my skinny. I don't wear skinny jeans, but they're skinny feeling because I'm so fat. <laughs> Those athletic I, I was, cut sick pants ain't doing it. In this deadlifting game until I watched a freaking like 125 pound woman 
deadlift more than me. I said, I'm done. Can't do this no more. You wasn't being persistent on that, were you? No, I, I, I do it in my privacy in my own home, but I ain't doing a gym with a woman can not lift me anymore. Don't put it on the internet either. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, we'll call you on this idea. Sounds good. We'll give you a shout here in a little bit. It's all. It's on the. Um, I, I put you all on the. Uh, on the like email. Said, on that Google Google Doc. So okay. We can start brainstorming because we got a bunch of videos to shoot. <laughs> I will say the most persistent person that I know in life today is your wife on this pool. She's been <laughs> persistent for three years. <laughs> we're she's get, getting a pool. We're getting a pool. Not not because Heath wanted a pool, but my wife. That's is, right. You, you've been saying forever you's gonna you're gonna figure out how to talk her out of this thing. It did. She just talked there. She just talked herself. She she really convinced you to get us that that mini egg so you could save money. You just don't realize it. She she played you. I don't really care. We got a, I got me a little traco out of the deal. That could go on either way. I don't know. If, did she? She Play says him. I manipulated her. Uh, or, is what she I, says. See, I'm feeling like Heath could have been the manipulator on that deal, and since he he's justified <laughs> a reason to have a daggum mini X. I'm the king of justification. There's no doubt because just, of the swimming pool. <laughs> well, somebody had to build the wall. Oh my gosh! I wasn't spending 15 grand on a retaining wall when I could build one for four. <laughs> so I bought eighty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> My wife's like, really? Yeah, but I ain't paying twelve grand for all this dirt work around here. I'll just pay twenty thousand for a used skid steer. Oh, I didn't. I'd sell it when I was done. I, I, I was done with that work a year ago. That's funny. Guy. Just for clarification, I did not spend eighty-five grand on a Mini X. That's what it would have cost. I got a deal on it, and I can't sell it if I need to. It was actually I felt like a wise business decision. <laughs> I get to play for free for a little while on it, and then get, I probably won't get rid of it though. Dude, I'm glad you got it. The more I play on it, I'm telling you, we cut several ricks of wood the other day, and I took the Mini X out there. It was like cheating. I picked up them big old trunks mm-hmm. up in the air, and we just cut them off the end, fell right off, never got pinched saw. It was incredible. Are you drinking coffee? I am drinking coffee. We all heard you. I'm drinking coffee. Well, you know, I didn't, like I told you, I didn't get any sleep. I haven't had any sleep in two nights now, so. Well, I'm out of coffee. <laughs> well. I figured you drank some pre-workout. I had you wired out the rest of the day. Heating this part. I'm not, a big, I'm not a huge supplement guy. Hey, I just started some supplements, all kidding aside. This is not an advertisement, people. Um, I just bought some some uh, stuff from Mountain Ops the other day. What did I get, Blaze? Yep. And supposedly it gives you a little focus and energy. So, Aaron, what I do every morning, I get a cup of coffee, a cup of spark, and now I'm taking Blaze right behind it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't focus because you're so wired out. You don't even. But uh, what I was going to say was this stuff is like suppressing the appetite. Oh, I've, yeah. Well. I've ate two, two meals the last couple of days. Two, two meals well, in, I mean, in two days? No, I mean, I've ate on a couple of occasions, and I've literally ate half my plate where normally I would have demolished the whole plate. Right. And my wife was even like, are you okay? I'm like, I guess it's these dang supplements. Mm-hmm. So, see, I'm easing back into the idea. I, I feel mean, like if I spend a little money. I think that is the best thing that supplements do is it gets out. you focused. <laughs> to work out? To either work out or eat better because you've got money invested. It's, it, that's, why, that's why I don't believe in a lot of free stuff because – if you don't have anything invested into it, you ain't going to stick with it. But at least with, some, with a little bit of money, mm-hmm. you'll consider sticking with it yep. and being persistent. <laughs> Except persistent. for me, I've been paying for a gym membership for a year, and I ain't been. 
Well, that's just you being stupid on that deal. That's a bad investment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I keep your it money. from my wife, but she don't go either. But uh, every time I talk about getting her, no, I think I'm going to start going to the gym again. So I'm like, all right. I'll keep it there, you know, I keep, keep my wife motivated, but it ain't working either. So. I just ordered a home gym. Hey, I got an idea. What? Since you're not using your gym membership, but you're paying for one, won't you just cancel it and pay for one at my gym? <laughs> You'll get just as much use out of it. That's what I, I, I told B. I ordered a home gym the other day, and he's like, you know you got a buddy that owns a gym. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I ain't coming over there. I'll have to come stay at his house just to go to the gym. You're not going now, and it's right by your house. What does it matter? <laughs> We're going to have to do a podcast on health and wellness, I can tell. Hey, I'm doing good right now. I'm, I've been, um, I come out of Thanksgiving, and I was five pounds down, back, staying solid on my diet. Do you want to really Reduce, explain why you're five pounds down? Reduce my alcoholic intake. <laughs> Did you have a stump bug? No, he just said uh, he yeah. reduced his alcoholic oh. intake. I didn't say I stopped. I said I reduced <laughs> That'll help. Oh, it's hilarious. Still, but it happens. It happens. All right, we need to wrap this deal up. All right, we'll hold you later. Well, that was a uh, unexpected hijacking. It was a lot like B's call in last month when we were in Texas. I'm kind of liking the call in though, B. I do too. Even though it wasn't planned, neither one of them were scheduled or planned. But we always do better when it's not planned. We actually do. I mean, we did have the title planned anyway. Yeah. Persistence, and we at least tried to be on track a little more this this We're month. We're currently persist persistently trying to stay on track. I always like Aaron's perspective, though. He's always in the middle of a lot of things, multiple brands, as we are too. It's it's kind of become the you know just like him calling in and, and talking about this email that he sent with whatever this new idea is. This is I'm not going to say it's a daily. A, happening but it's close to it's at least weekly oh yeah definitely we're just involved in so many different things so many different uh marketing strategies with different brands and then you mix in our own Mm -hmm. and there's just a lot going on so it's kind of the daily yeah that's a lot different than you know probably like you were raised in me also where you kind of we're taught that you need to focus on this one thing and be great at this one thing, whatever that is that you do. And yeah, let's talk about that. So the 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 idea of I think there's some truth to what we're fixing to talk about, and then I, but I'm starting to believe, like I was joking about earlier. I think after you learn something, it seems like ten years later you unlearn something. And yeah, you change your mind. Yeah. So the old it. saying, you know, jack of all trades, a master of none. There, there's probably some truth to that, but I'm looking at the stage of life I'm in, and you, I think you, you're in the same deal. We do some different things, but I don't consider us unsuccessful because we're involved in so many things now. Absolutely matter. not. I mean, now, could some of those brands, are all of those brands hitting their maximum potential? Probably Prob- not, but, but they're that, all doing well. But that leads you to the question, would you rather have – if you could choose today and say, I would rather have one dominant brand that was just killing it, or would you rather have 10 brands that were doing really well? Yeah, that's a different answer each day. <laughs> some, days, the- some days I'm like, why am I doing all this? I just need to be focused on one thing. And But in today's environment with 
everything that goes on politically uh, within companies and changing, having all your eggs in one basket, I don't feel like is a smart decision. Yeah, I was going to say I can answer that question for me anyway because being, being a part of multiple sources of income for a while now, you see the power and benefit behind it. If something happens in our culture with the economy or whatever and crushes your brand, and you have, and that's what I, I think. Even with you, you've got you've got multiple sources of income in different industries, which is very smart yeah, totally too. Totally different industries, like where, and I do too. Um, even outside of the hunting industry, and so no matter what happens, the chances of us, even if the economy crashes, every single thing we're a part of is probably not going to lose right go bankrupt overnight mm -hmm. so we always have something to fall back on and so but I, w I would say this like you know 10 years ago i might have said because i because of the way i've been taught not by my parents but just by culture i think in business and schooling that you need to focus on something yes and so i don't know that we're not i wouldn't say we're not focusing i know for me the majority of my focus is obviously around south face media and the marketing side of things Correct. And, and there's all these branches underneath that mm -hmm. but I know I was talking with dad the other day and he was like, well, what are you, he was up here yesterday, actually. We were driving around looking at some new land, potential new land. And he's like, well, what are you into now? And I, I was joking. I said, well, we've been offered equity in two or three companies this month. And that is no lie. Yep. And then we've got two or three of our own new companies we're looking at launching. And he's like, dear Lord, you going to focus on something? I was like, probably not. We'll just do it all, you know. Exactly. Find more help, find more people that can and help that's us. that's a lot of it is getting getting it up and going and getting the right team in place to where you uh, you can do yeah. multiple things. And it's things. a process. I mean, I think totally. we've, we've all learned mm -hmm. that. Even in the whole idea of living your passion, it is not going to happen overnight. Uh-uh. It, uh... It is a definite process that takes persistence. Uh -huh. So, you have to stay the course. Good, bad, and ugly. It's sure a lot easier to stay the course when things are going well, though. Yeah, it is. There's times you don't want to. Mm -mm. And that that being said, you know, that's something to think about. Also, is just because you're being persistent and you know know that there's going to be rough waters in that. Yeah. You know, know that there's going to be times where you. It, the last thing you want to do is keep doing it. Yeah. That's when you need to do it the most. Exactly. Most big breaks come. It is. It's a lot like. At that point. I've heard this analogy before where it's, it's reference to track a little bit where if you're running long distance or something like that or a marathon, usually when you hurt the most is right before you win and have success. Exactly. Right before you cross the finish mm -hmm. line is when you're putting everything you have into it mm -hmm. and it's killing you on the inside or whatever. Yep. Your brakes usually just right around the corner. But you'll never know that if you give up. Yes. And uh it definitely takes persistence in the good, bad and ugly. And I know some of our listeners right now are and I know this for a fact just from conversations I've had even this week are looking at diving off into new ventures. I think it's incredible. Um, but that's, and that's part of why we wanted to do this podcast is the old preacher man I, I hang out with some, he calls it the law of predictable resistance. And basically all that means is, you know, stuff's coming before it gets there. Yes. And so if you can know how you're going to respond to wanting to give up before you ever give up or want to give up, mm -hmm. the chances of you not giving up are greater. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's why this topic is so important, no matter what you're doing, whether it's hunting uh whether it's 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 fishing or if it's raising a family or if it's starting a new business a new career if mm -hmm. it's you you got you got to you got to allocate your time wisely obviously but 
giving up is not something that should be an option not when it comes to your when it comes to your passion yes now if there's some things you have to give up let's go there for just a sec there may be some things you have to give up and sacrifice right or need to give up or need to to get to to create space and create time for you to better allocate time towards living your passion Mm -hmm. if that's your goal is to go do i don't even know what let's say it's flip burgers for a living there's nothing wrong with that if that's your passion that's what you want to do Mm mm-hmm you need to get good at flipping burgers, and yep. it, it takes time to practice that. I'm I'm amazing at flipping burgers, B. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I didn't say that's making them. I, I said end, flipping. That's why I end up cooking that's every time I come over. That's why you cook every time. I didn't I didn't say cooking and preparing. I said just flipping. I can flip a burger. <laughs> uh, and with all the all season stuff I've got on the back deck right now, I look. You got like, more grills. <laughs> You don't even grill, dude. I got, I've got, cause I had my own. That was before we took on the marketing stuff for all seasons, and now I've got smokers, grills, fire pits. But you gotta, we gotta create content. <laughs> you gotta have it. My wife's. I like, think we need to create some content at my house. We've got, I've got a, I got the off-brand egg out back. I've got a big old griddle for hibachi. I've got a big old smoker. I've got another just grill. It's it's I'm starting to go white trash category out back. You're running out of room on the deck. Yeah, I at least hauled the mini X out to the farm. <laughs> so it's not playing into the mix. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, we need to wrap this thing up, B. Yep. You got any closing thoughts on what we've talked about today? Just I mean, stay the course. That's and and a lot of things in life being persistent. Um, is key i mean i see a lot of people give up in a lot of things and live and and regret it later on down the road you know there there'll always be that what if so my my the way i live my life is without what ifs i mean i don't want to i don't ever want to look back and think well what if i would have done this yeah and what if i would have kept going another two years or how do you real quick just how do you know like I've got a, a thought for an answer for this, but I know people sometimes are in, when you're in that stage of transitioning from whatever you're currently doing to starting the process to live in your passion, whatever that is, how do you know you're making the right move? I think it's different for everyone because every situation is probably different. I'm a little bit in that situation right now. Yeah. You know, I know what I want to do, but. Well, and you're doing a lot of what you want to do. I'm doing a lot of what I want to do, but I mean, I want to do. You're wanting to swap that main source. Yes. Yeah, you're wanting to reposition sources of it, multiple sources. Would of like anything. to, but you know, at this point, it, it's financially there's no. It doesn't. It's not right. Yeah. Yet. Basically, it you're could, just saying you make way too much money. Well, no. <laughs> I'll say it for you. It, but. <laughs> it, it, a lot of that weighs in on it. I mean, yeah. it oh, just it, it depends. It just depends. Yeah. You know, you can't. You have to consider family. You have to consider responsibilities. You have to consider all of that stuff. I mean, you just can't be selfishly going around and quitting jobs and bailing off into whatever you think your passion is. It has to be strategically done. Yeah. And it and can where, be. And I, I think my answer for that is. And, just to echo alongside what you just said is I can't, you know, overstate how important the right people in your life is. Totally. That you trust their wisdom. They don't have strings attached to your decisions Mm -hmm. that they have selfish ambition towards what you're doing. Exactly. they literally care about you and your family and want to see you be successful because those type people, 
if if you go if you've got three or four of those people in your life and you go around and talk to them about what you're thinking about doing them doing and three out of four of them says you need to you need to hold off on that yeah you might want to hold off on that mm-hmm. if if you get a four for four or five for five out of the people you talk to and they're like dude that's mm-hmm. awesome I support you how can I help you get yeah. there then maybe it makes sense for you and uh, you got to have a plan yeah I mean you got to have a plan to and stay persistent to that plan yeah. I mean, I think that's key in in getting it done. There's no doubt. And being successful in it, you know, as you go. But yeah. I mean, that's my for me. That closing is, you know, stay the course. If it's the right deal, if it's your passion, it's not hurting you or your family. Um, it's not costing you, and keep it keep it going keep it rolling you know that's kind of you know with sb that's kind of where we were for a long time is you know it it, it may not it it's always grown some but you know at some times it didn't feel like well, well is all this worth it you know we're not what are we getting out of this but it wasn't costing us anything. We yeah, were going to be doing the stuff it, we were doing anyway. It was paying for and itself, and it it's was a, paying for a itself. way to market what we could do. It's so, I mean, why not do it? You know, there was always that, well, okay, if we're not going to do it, then... Well, <laughs> then what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. I think <laughs> so, the, the, even the stages, when you talk, we hadn't talked about our show that much, and I know we're closing for the third time, but there's so many opportunities for decisions to be made that could make you go a certain direction and any i think this is one of the things i've noticed even in our conversations this year because we actually our listeners don't know this but we we actually were about to pull our show this year not because we had to but because we it made more financial sense for us to go completely digital and just do short films mm-hmm. and we we've talked with every partner that we had got a hundred percent support from every single partner they backed us which was going to make us a lot more profitable from an SB standpoint. And then we got our television ratings back yep. <laughs> and they were the highest they've ever been in the history of us, doing of, our, it. of our do of us doing it. Top show, one of the top shows on the pursuit channel now, and it has been off and on throughout, right. throughout yep. 12 years. But what I was going to say is anytime we've not known if we should stop or not, we get some kind of sign or or something, answer. and 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 we just keep going, yep. and that falls right in line with persistence. If you if you're not a hundred percent sure, then don't quit. Is what I would Absolutely. say. Because look how many more opportunities it's opened up for us mm-hmm. because we didn't quit. Exactly. If we would have quit, who knows where South Face would? I'm not saying it couldn't have been successful. Well, yeah, but, but it sure wouldn't be probably wouldn't. working with all the outdoor industry companies we do. Yeah, I mean, it, you think about it and. I, we don't probably enough, but every a lot, a lot of what most of what we're doing now, yeah, is because we started that stupid little TV show. <laughs> I know. I, I give. <laughs> I, mean, it, I give a hundred percent credit to it. It, it just is. Yeah, I'm, and that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying it would have been the only route that could have got South Face to where it's at, but no. that that is the route that we took. That we took, and, and it's been incredible. Know, without it, we would never it, had that that first yeah. South Face job for a corporation was because of. Yeah. The guy knew we had a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next big corporate, and this was outside of the hunting industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, had nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's so funny. But even even out, so even there were some other jobs that, that uh, what was the name of that company back then? Um, what was it? It was uh, 
the, all the horse stuff. What was their division? ID. That was the product. But what was the division? Global Animal Management. Global Animal Management. We got the guy that was making the calls over who did marketing work for that came from a hunting relationship mm-hmm. through Strut and Bucks mm-hmm. and opened up several years of work until they sold. You yep. know? And uh, so I just I, I go back and look at that now over the course of 12 years and had we given up and quit. Um, it's not that we wouldn't have done something else or couldn't have even been successful. I, I but feel it, we would totally been successful in whatever we were doing, I feel like. Because that's a but, mindset. Yeah, that's that's a that's an attitude and a but mindset. But for us, that has paved the way for so many opportunities mm-hmm. to work with massive companies mm-hmm. that we may have never had. We will never know because we didn't go down that path and quit. Exactly. But, um, I would say that if you do quit, you never know what you're cutting yourself off from. Yeah. Uh, and so hang in there when it gets tough fight through cross the finish line and roll on overcome fear surround yourself with the right people and do everything you can to have discipline i think that pretty much wraps it up man well said you got anything else you want to close for the seventh time no but this is the third time Your my wife's, wife's called me so you better take that i'm out all right guys thanks for listening peace out